Let's get started with this year's Parshas Va'era, Tavshin Ayin Gimel, on this rainy and snowy night here in Eretz Yisrael. And we start with a uh, small thought to get things started with the Yadot Torah, and then we'll get into uh, other Inyanim here as we start the Makos, and we uh, lead up to Rosh Chodesh Shvat to the Shabbos. Start off with Perek Vav Pasik Beis. Vaydabra El Kimah Moshe, Vayomer Elavani Hashem, Va'era, the beginning of the Parsha. And we have the monologue that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has when he talks to Moshe Rabbeinu. And towards the end, in Pasik Ches, I will bring you to the, to the uh, land, to the land that I promised your forefathers. Let me go through a little bit of the, of the history. Um, good. Let's pick a pasuk in the middle of the monologue. V'gamani shamati pasuk hey es naakas bnei Yisrael asher mitzrayim avidim osam. Hashem says, I heard the cries of bnei Yisrael that the mitzrayim were subjugating them. Va'ezkar es barisi, and I remembered the bris. Sounds like because it got worse and worse and worse, then Hashem remembered the bris. But only when it got so bad, Hashem remembered the bris beforehand though too. What's va'ezkar es barisi? So just a small thought, he says, Al-Derech Drush, based on the Gemara in Mesechah's Brachas. The Gemara tells us in Brachas, Dafheim Aleph, Ne'emar bris be-melach, V'ne'emar bris be-yisurin, Yisurin, pains, trials, and tribulations that one goes through is compared to salt. Salt and Yisurin, there's a bris by-melach and a bris by-salt. Ma bris ha-amur be-melach, Melach me-matek es-abasar, just like bris, that is said by the salt. The salt sweetens and helps the meat stay. So to the bris of Yisurin, it helps us, even though we don't understand it. We think we feel the pain, but it somehow helps purify a person. That's what the bris does. But says the Rimenover, there could be a time if you put too much salt on the meat that it gets totally ruined. And it's totally, it's, it's, forget it, it's not, it's not good anymore. A certain amount of salt, the proper ingredients, so that, that is, that could help the meat. But once it gets too much, so then, says the even though a certain number, a certain amount of Yisurin, and only Hashem knows this amount, are memarit the sins. If it's too much, it might lose the whole purpose of the of the nisoyin of the yisurin. So suggests this uh, the rimenover. Maybe that's the pshat. I saw how bad it got. It got to such a level for eskaris brisi. I remember the bris. I remember the bris that yisurin are compared to the bris of salt. And just like salt is up to a Line, so too, Yisurin are up to a line. I knew Azkan Vesulo, 210 years. That is what the Am Yisrael can handle, and it's time for them to, to be finished and leave Mitzrayim. That's a, a, a deeper understanding of the bris that's mentioned in the Pasuk, the bris of, of Melach. Good. Now let's get back to the Medrash at the beginning of the Parsha. I gave it to you in source number two. We have the Medrash Rabbah. Beginning of the parsha, which says as follows: Hashem says to Moshe, As we know already, Rashi quotes that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is upset at Moshe Rabbeinu, as the Pesukim say. 
as compared to the Avos. What exactly was he upset about? What was the problem with Moshe's Hashkafa in terms of what was he involved in at the beginning of the Parsha? Says the Medrash based on a Pasuk in Koheles. Hadahu Dixiv, in the middle of line one, again I apologize, still getting over a, a little cough. Ufanisi anilir os chachma v'hololus v'sichlus. I see that someone is involved in foolishness. Kima ha'adam sheyavo acharei ha'melech. Who is the man that could go after the king? Es asher kfar asahu. After he has already done something. Who will be foolish enough to go after the king? What does this Pasuk refer to? Says the Medrash, Ha-Pasuk Noomar al-Shlomo v'al-Moshe. The Pasuk is referring to Shlomo HaMelech and Moshe Rabbeinu. When? Shlomo, Moshe. Al-Shlomo Ketzad. Where is it referring to Shlomo? Famous comment. Kishanasan HaKadosh Baruch Hu Torah Yisrael when Hashem gave the Torah to the Jews. Nasan ba mitzvah saseh mitzvah lo saseh. He gave many mitzvos. Vinasan lamelech mixas mitzvos. And the king, each king, has certain mitzvos that only apply to them. Right? The Kohanim have their mitzvos, and the Yisraelim have their mitzvos, and the men, and the women, and everyone has their mitzvos. The king also has his mitzvos. Shinemar, as the Pazak says in Parsha Shoftim, Lo Yarbalo Susim, he can't have too many horses. Whatever too many means, Lo Yarbalo Nashim, Lo Yasulavavo, all different types of mitzvos that only apply to the king. And as we know, as Chazal tell us, very few mitzvos have reasons given for them in the Torah. Very few. Once in a while. Here's one of them. Here's one of them. Why not too many wives? Shalom Yasulavavo, so they don't turn the husband's heart away from Hashem. Don't worry about it. Too many wives because once you give me a because, I'm going to outsmart you. It's better not to give a reason. Just tell me what to do. But give a reason. Shlomo's like, don't worry, I got it covered. I'm okay, I can handle it. I'm not going to leave. And as we know, tragic consequences. Continues the Medrash. Amru Raboseinu. Ba'osa Sha'ah Osa Yud Shebi Yarbe Vinishtatcha Lafneakarish Barachu. The Yud in Yarbe, Lo Yarbe Lo Nashim. The Yud went to complain to Hashem. I can't believe this. Everybody's going to take advantage of me. Nobody's going to listen to me. Shlomo Amalach. Everybody's going to follow Shlomo. What's going to be? What's going to be with me? The Amra. She said, Rebona Olamim, Lokacha Marta ain't os betelem in a Torah laolam. Hashem says, one second, or she says to Hashem, didn't you say that there's not going to be an os that's batel? Halay Shlomo made him a batelosi. Shlomo's getting rid of me. Vishema hayom yevatel achas, ulamachar acheres, achinis batel kalaturakula. This is the beginning of the end, Hashem. Complains the Yud to Hakadish Baruchu. Amar Lakadish Baruchu. Shlomo the Elef Kayotsebo Yu Batalin Vikutso Mimech Enimavatel. It's never gonna happen. Don't worry about it, my little Yud. Don't worry, Shlomo's gonna go. There's gonna be many people in life that try to be Mavatal the Torah, including Shlomo. And they're not gonna last, but you're gonna last. The Torah is eternal, the Torah is forever. Don't worry about it. 
Uminayin shebitel osam min ha-Torah, v'chazel ha-Torah. How do we know? Where do we see that Hashem makes sure that nothing is batel from the Torah? As we know from the Medrash, we've quoted in the past. Sarai lost the Yud. She became Sarah. Don't think the Yud disappeared. Appears later in the Torah. Beginning of Shlach. Vayikra Moshe lahoshea binun Yehoshua. So the Yud from Sarai wasn't lost. Avram didn't lose anything. Right? He just got a letter added. <coughs> Sarai lost her Yud. It came up back in Yoshua. We discussed that a number of years ago. The connection between Sarah and Yoshua. This was the chain of Shlomo HaMelech. That's referred to by being foolish and thinking, trying to outsmart the king. Amar Shlomo, at the end of line 11, Masha Hayisi Machkim al Torah, that which I tried to outsmart the Torah. Vayisi Mare Laatzmi, Shaini Odea Das Torah. I tried to show that I understand. Vaoso Hevina, Vaoso Adas, Vaholos Vesichlis. He says, I was wrong. I was wrong. It was a mistake. This was the chait that's referred to by the Medrash of, of Shlomo Hamelech. What about Moshe Rabbeinu? What was Moshe's parallel chait? Remember, the Medrash started off. This Pasuk is referring to the Chet of Shlomo and the Chet of, uh, and the chait of Moshe. Which Chet of Moshe? Line 16. Ketza nomar al-Moshe. Lefi shekfar hodiyah ha-Kodesh Baruch Hu l-Moshe. Shalom yoniyechos amparo lelech. Hashem already told Moshe. Paro's not going to listen. He's going to harden his heart. He's not. Moshe, I'm telling you. Before you go, he's not going to listen. Like a parent telling a child, they're going to say no. No, I want to ask anyway. They're going to say no. And the parent, the child comes back crying. Why? They said no. I told you he was going to say no. It's exactly what happened there. So I'm going to with the Moshe Avenu. I'm going to harden his heart so I can do all the makos. Last week's parasha. No, no, Mo, I'm going to be so convincing. Par's going to let him out. That must be what Moshe was thinking. Right, because he went and tried, and he was upset afterwards. Hashem, The end of last week's parsha. Hashem, I can't believe this. This is geula. It got worse. What's happening here? No more straw. That's the chait. You think it's wisdom? You think it's knowledge? It's really foolishness. Again, outsmarting Hashem. Shlomo tried to, tried to outsmart a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Moshe tried to outsmart a Kaddish Baruch Hu. V'chi mahaya lo lahar her achar midosav shal HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Eis asher kfar aso. Hashem already made the rules. Hashem already told you what's going to happen. Mashe kfar gvilo lo. Shuasid l'schazeg v'chulu. Second to last line. Ha dehu dechziv. Every medrash ends off with hey hey dalad. Ha dehu dechziv. This is what's referred to. V'yadabra lokim el Moshe. Hashem looked at Moshe and was upset. Right at the end of last week's parsha, he was upset. Last line: Ulafishin is takal kadosh baruch hu shebeshvil tsar Yisrael diber came because Moshe was just so upset on behalf of Klal Yisrael. <coughs> Hashem says, "Okay." V'yamari love ani Hashem in midas harachamim. Two questions: Ask Rav Salvechik on the Medrash quoted here in Rav Shetha Sefer Mipnini Araf. Number one: What is the connection between the chait of Shlomo and the chait of Moshe? <coughs> it seems like very different chatayim. Shlomo is looking at the reason of a mitzvah. He tries to outsmart HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, no, don't worry about the reason. And that's his chait. It seems like a personal, very personal chait. And Moshe Rabbeinu, that's not a very different chait. 
He didn't believe Hashem. He thought he would convince. But either way, lack of emunah, whatever you want to call it, what's the connection? The Medrash puts them together. What is the parallel, the connection between the chait of Moshe and the chait of Shlomo? Number one. Number two question, answer of Salvechik, why did only the Yud complain? What about the whole word? What about the whole phrase? What about the whole mitzvah? No, the Yud of Yarbeh went to complain to Hashem. Obviously, Yud isn't an animate person or an object. There's a message here from the Medrash. What's the message that only the Yud went to complain to Hashem? It's not fair. I'm going to be Batel. Lo Yarbe lo Nashim. Lo Yarbe. The Yarbe went. Or the whole mitzvah went. Why is only the Yud complaining? So two suggestions he has. Two suggestions. See on line 13, he asked the question. So Lomar. Two suggestions that are given. A smaller one and then a uh, more elaborate one. Hayanira Lomar, line 50. Dimitri My time Amru Razal. Shirak Yud. Why only Yud? So first he has a <coughs> small shot, line seven. <coughs> I apologize. Vaychab in Mefarshim. She ish lefarish. Da hayudia os hachik tanasha bechala osios. As we know, the yud, the smallest letter, the little yud. Most, many of the other letters are made out of yuds. The aleph has a couple of yuds. Many of the other letters are made out of yuds. Yud's the smallest letter. Ubederek klal kachi darko shel yitzer. That's the message of the yud. All chataim start out small. A little bit. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit until it snowballs and gets bigger. Nobody generally falls off the cliff right away of spirituality. It's little by little. We cut a corner here, we cut a corner there, we come late here, we don't do this properly. And ultimately the slippery slope, right, slopes down. That's good. Maybe that's the Message of why the Yud. The Yud is symbolizing the beginning of a chait. Shlomo is, is violating this with a, with a svara. Oh, I can do this. It won't affect me. Being very self-righteous. It's the beginning of the end, says the Yud. It's a small step. It's a small step. And he quotes, The beginning of the reform movement. They were from. what they do? All they did was, let's take out one of these Yukum Purkans. Historically, they say that was the beginning. Right, it's Aramaic. What does it mean anyway? Everybody's talking during your Kumpurkan. Right, so what do we need it for? Take one out. Then they took the other one out. Little by little, <coughs> they did not have in mind they were going to be a movement when they took out your Kumpurkan. But that's the Yud. That's the little. And even quotes, like, like people say, by Yimach is Koha Yikum. Pasik by the, uh, by the, by the uh, Mabel. Okay, that's one idea. One idea of the Yud being small, and that leads to others. But then there's another idea, turning the page. There's another idea of the Yud. Why the Yud? And this helps answer the connection between Shlomo and Moshe. Yud, at the beginning of a word, always makes it future. Always makes it future. Haya. Was yeah it will be the yud at the beginning of a word always symbolizes <coughs> future glomer 
Says the Yud, complaining to Hashem. Right now, Shlomo might be on a spiritual level that it doesn't affect him and he's strong. But what's going to be later on? What's going to be in the future generations? What's going to be with the children? What's going to be with the future? You start cutting corners now. Even if what you do, you're strong enough to handle it. But who says the future generations will be strong enough to handle it? Even though Shlomo, you in the present, fine, you think you're safe. Who knows what's going to be? What's going to be? Like the Mepharshim explained by the Gemara about, about Harsina in Mesech Shabbos, where Kodesh Prakha holds the mountain over our heads. And what does Hashem say? In Mechabal Nesat Torah, you accept the Torah, wonderful. V'yim lav, sham te'ek furaschem, is the language of the Gemara. Ask them a first, sham te'ek furaschem, kam te'ek furaschem. Right here is going to be the end. What do you mean sham te'ek furaschem? There. So one of the Pshatim given is that right now you think you don't need everything. You don't, might, maybe you don't need Tarsha Pet. You don't need everything. You feel you're spiritually uplifted. You're on such a level. But sham, the later generations... Your children, your grandchildren, who says they're going to be as committed if they're not forced to do it, if I don't create the framework of Avdeh Hashem? Who says they're going to be as strong as you? Shalom take Baraschem. If the parents don't take the proper precautions, so then the children, little by little, says that's the Yud. The Yud says he's focusing on the present. But what about the future? That's why the Yud comes and complains. So he says that's, that was the root of Shlomo's chayt. What about Moshe? As we'll see, Moshe Rabbeinu as well is focusing on present and not future. How so? Let's see the beautiful words of Rav Salvechik. Next paragraph. It says in the end of Parshish B'Shalach, as the Pasik, referring to Hashem's name in the context of Amalek, the name used is the name of Yud and then a Hey. Ka. Doesn't say UK Vavke. It's the shortened ka. Why? Yud and He? Rashi quotes the Medrash because as long as there's a Malik in the world, Hashem's name will not be complete, will not be fulfilled. There won't be a total <coughs> revelation of Akadish Barachu until Mashiach comes. And that's what the power of a Malik does in the world. That's why it's only Yud Ke. What does that mean? Venira. The Shulchan Aruch in Simen Hay explains what are we supposed to be thinking about whenever we say Hashem's name during the day. We say it many times. Halavai, there's even in some Sidurim, there's a little Tanai that you could say in the morning. It's printed, it's quoted in some of the, uh, the Mepharshim on Shulchan Aruch in Simen Hay. Because how many times whenever we say Hashem's name during the day? The Shulchan Aruch says what we're supposed to be thinking about. Do we really think about it? What are we supposed to be thinking about? Past, present, and future. Hashem is the, was the creator. He was. Haya, Hovet, Veyiyah. That's what Yudke Vavke, the name of Hashem, means. So in Shulchan Aruch it says that. Where do you see that in the name Yudke Vavke? Yud, again at the beginning of the word, that's the future. That symbolizes the future in Yudke Vavke. The middle two letters, Hovet. That's the present. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is HaKadosh Baruch Hu the present. The hey at the end of the word symbolizes the past. So by a mullik, when there's a mullik in the world, which means 
We don't see Hashem as clearly as we would like. There's Hester Panim. There's darkness in the world. That's the power of Amalek. So Hashem's name is only the Yud and the Hey. The future and the past. We believe Hashem's going to be clear in the future. And we know he did miracles for us in the past. But the present is very unclear when there's a Malik around. In Olam Hazer, the Hey and the Vav is very unclear. That's why that's the name of Hashem in this world when there's the power of a Malik that is being shown in the world. Says the words of Rav Salvechik, line 13. Abel Bismana Churban, when there's tragedy, we don't see Hashem in the present. We read the Torah and we know Hashem has been with the Jewish people. <coughs> and we believe what's going to be in the future. But we can't say Yudke Vavke in the full sense of the Rome. In the base of Migdash. They pronounced Yud Kei because it was clear there were ten Nisim every day. There was clarity of the divine in the Beis HaMikdash. So they said Yud Kei We can't. Even when we say Hashem's name, we don't pronounce it as Yud Kei We say Ado, right? Which means my master. But we don't say it because we can't say it in Olam Hazer. Because the clarity of the divine of HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't exist. Because the power of Amalek, ever since Amalek first attacked us, when we left... Mitzrayim and after Kriyas Yam. So if that's it, there's still the power of Amalek, the hiddenness of Hashem is Shor in the world. That's the Yud and the Hey that's left in Olam Hazer, but not the Hove. That's all background now. Now we get to the Chet of Moshe Rabbeinu who says Rav Salvation. You know what the problem with Moshe was? Moshe was focusing on the present. Hashem said, Moshe, I was with Avram, Isaac, and Yaakov. You know the whole history. And I'm going to redeem the Jews. It's going to be unbelievable. I'm going to take them out of Mitzrayim. There's going to be Makos. <coughs> There's going to be Makos Bechoros. There's going to be Kabbalah Satorah. Right now, right, it's going to be a process. I can't say right now you're going to see. That was the problem. Why did Moshe complain? Because he was focusing on the present. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you made it worse. Look what you're doing. Hashem said, I told you already. I told you it's not going to get better. But the problem, the root of the hate of Moshe, that he was focusing only on the presence. Hashem, how can you make it worse? And that was the complaint. If you look in the next column, Nero the Farish in the middle, Moshe goes back and says, Hashem, it's not good enough. I need you. Right, what did Hashem, he's been dying in the end of last week's parsha. What did Moshe say? When it says Moshe went back, it says, Vayasha Moshe El Yudke Vavke. Moshe says, I need the present too. And he was doing it for the Am. <coughs> they were still being subjugated. But he was focused, I need the present. Hashem's like, it's not, Gula doesn't happen overnight. It's going to be a process of Hayahovah But says of Salvechik, put the two things together that we just said. What was Shlomo's chait? The Yud comes and says, Hashem, Fine right now. It's okay for Shlomo, but what's going to be in the future? The Yud is at the future. Shlomo's chait was focusing on the present. Moshe's chait was focusing on the present. In that way, that's why the Medrash puts the two together. Both of them, he says at the end, on line 22, in the second column, the Zuhaisa gam ta'uso shal Shlomo. The gam ta'uso shal Moshe. Shishneim rakid gishu es ha'hove. 
want us to realize that a Jew lives in the past and the present and the future. And we can't always just focus on the present because sometimes the present is very not understandable and very difficult and they're at Tsaris. But we have to realize what we're supposed to focus on every time we say it. Even in the footnote there, Rav Shechter quotes, there Rav Solveitschik said uh, at various times, the pitgam amami, the saying that people say, and even there's a song about it, the past is gone, the future didn't happen yet, and the present is, uh, <coughs> is like a blink of an eye, dog What do you worry about? Meaning be carefree. Yadus does not believe in that. We don't believe the past is gone, and we don't believe the future is not here yet. We live based on the past, and we live with an eye towards the future constantly, and we live and try to get as much as we can out of the present. Said Rev Salvechik, we have to appreciate it, and that was what the focus of Moshe's sin was and Shlomo's sin was. Okay. Back to the Pesukim. Perak Vav, Pasik Vav. Fourth Pasik in the Parsha. So, a couple of the thoughts as every year. We got to put them away for the Haggadah Shir, or even if not, for just uh, mark them. We have the Dalit Lashonos of Geula. Pasik Vav. Talbanay Yisrael, Ani Hashem. I took, I will take them out from the subjugation. I'm going to take them out. I'm going to make them a nation. They'll know I am Hashem, your God. Asks the Bar Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Misalant. A little, little letter question. We're focusing on letters tonight. We focused on the Yud. If you look in Pasuk Vav and Pasuk Zayin, you have the same word, spelled two different ways. Hashem says in Pasuk Vav, B'nai Yisrael, I will take you out, mitachas sivlos mitzrayim. Chaser Vav. Written without the Vav. Sivlos. Next Pasuk. And they will know that I take you out, mitachas sivlos mitzrayim male with a Vav. Why the first time written without a Vav? And the second time written with a Vav. Every letter in the Torah, there or not there, teaches us something. Why is the first time it's not there, and the second time it is there? Says the bear, Yosef, a thought that many say, but he puts it into this context. The Efshel Omar, bottom right, remember Yosef Misalant, the great Darshan from Yerushalayim, who were Shlomo Zalman, told him he has to write down his rushes. He has to write, they're too good not to give over for posterity. So we really have to thank Shlomo Zalman, for the Ber Yosef, besides the Ber Yosef himself, says the Ber Yosef. Yev Shalomar. Vehine, bottom right. Bimitzrayim savlu Yisrael b'shtayim. There were really two levels of subjugation in Egypt. We are mishubin in two ways. Hein mitzaras haguf. Mashashib du osam ha-mitzrayim b'farech. The physical back-breaking labor that we went through. With the cement, the schlepping, we physically we were we were mishubed. And we eat maror, and they embittered our lives. 
When B'nai Yisrael cried, why were they crying? They were crying because of this. They were crying because they couldn't physically take it anymore. And their babies were being thrown into the river. And people were just going out to work in the morning and not coming back in the afternoon. That was Shebud number one. And that's the only Shebud that the Jews recognized about themselves. The only self-awareness that they had in Mitzrayim was that they were being physically in bondage. <coughs> but we know as outsiders looking in and with hindsight that there was another level of Shebud in Mitzrayim. Not just the physical bondage, but as we know, Milvad Shebud v'inu yaguf B'nei Yisrael were on the 49th level of Tumah. Right? They were impure. They were doing Averis. They were being Obed Avodazara. They were so distant from being B'nei Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. But they couldn't recognize that because of the physical just overtook and subsumed the other Shebud in their, in their hearts and in their emotions. Because they were so lowered. They forgot who they were. They forgot the inside. They forgot that they were Zerah Avraham. They didn't realize it. Skip two lines. They couldn't. And that's why if you look at the Psukim, they cried because of the work. The Psukim are emphasizing that's why they cried. They weren't crying because, oh, you know what, I don't get to learn anymore. That's not why they were crying. They were crying because they were physically hurt. And turning the page. Starts the redemption process. But then what happens? Once their physical bondage starts leaving, then all of a sudden, their neshamas are able to wake up. Their neshamas are able to say, wait a minute, where am I? I'm starving. I'm thirsty. I need something. I need spirituality. But they couldn't recognize that until after. Vizelu, let's continue, line 13. When Hashem first says to Moshe, by the snare, Ra'o Ra'isi, es anyamishim b'mitzrayim, double washon, Ra'o Ra'isi, v'sakasam shamati es mipnei noksav. What's the double washon? Hashem says, I see two bondages. I see two shibudim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Amar, ani Ra'isi, shtei Ra'iyos shal anyami, heinas inui gufam, v'heinas inui nafsham. I see both of them. I've seen both of them. But the Jews didn't realize the bondages, the double bondage, until after they came out of it. Says the Ber Yosef, that's why one has a Vav. What happened first? Sivlos without the Vav. Chaser symbolizes one bondage. The second one, as if it said Sivlas. And the second one, Sivlo, symbolizes a double bondage. And that's why originally Hashem says, I will take them out of Sivlas, at least singular, Mitzrayim. I'm going to take them out of the physical bondage. The next Pasik, and once I finish with them, they will know. Vidatem, 
כי אני אשר אלוקיכם, המוציא אתכם מתחס, סבלוס מצרים. The double, because once they come out, they will have that self-recognition and self-awareness that they were in Badish both. The end of the source, the end of seven. Originally it says, Sivlas Mitzrayim, Sivlas Chaser, Lomar, Sevel Echad Sh'atem Margishimba, Sevel Aguf, V'yachar Kach, V'lakach Tishchim Lo'am, V'yisi Lachem Lo'kim, V'yidatem, and you'll know, you'll know about both. You'll know about Sivlos Mitzrayim. Okay. We'll go to just the next source, I just have a story. A story. I've had some heavy material so far, some major, major uh, ideas. A story. A story related to a Pasuk. Not totally related, but it's here, so we'll do it here. The end of this section, Hashem says to Moshe, again, go to Paro, and Moshe says, they're not going to listen. Hey, B'nai Yisrael, the Jews don't listen. Paro's going to listen? Hashem says, don't worry, I know he's not going to listen, but go anyway. But the Pasuk talks about people not, <coughs> people not listening. That's what the Pasuk says. People not accepting, you know, what, the, what is said to them. So in the Penini HaTorah here, he quotes a story, about one of the Rebbes. One of the Rebbes. Every evening, the Rebbe, one of the, maybe the early visions of the Rebbes, he took a walk every night. Every night he took a walk. They say he took a walk, the Gemara says, in Shabbos. You have to walk, you have to eat. Whenever we eat, you've got to at least walk Dalamas. Okay, he took a walk every, every night. One time he and his Gabe were walking. They passed by a very rich man. The house. The Minal, the president of the local bank. He was not one of the Rebbe's Hasidim. It was not. And he wasn't even such a charitable person. He was a miser, miserly. And they were walking. And all of a sudden, the Rebbe turns into this guy's house. Maybe they're having a building campaign. When they knocked on the door, Rebbe went inside. And the Gabbai said, okay, not asking any questions. I don't ask the Rebbe. He's going in, I go in. What do you go in? But Rebbe wants to go in, we go in. When the Balabayas saw the Rebbe, he had covered a rock. He jumps up, he runs over to him, he says, he says, Reb, what are you, what are you, what are you doing here? What? He says, gives him a coast to drink. Kisa a chair. The Rebbe sat, sat. Awkward silence. The Rebbe's quiet. He's quiet. The Rebbe's quiet. The Balabais doesn't want to ask the Rebbe because obviously the Rebbe has to has to uh, you know uh, speak first. See, at least he goes over to the Gabai. He whispers, he's like, what's going on? He's like, what's he? He's like, I don't know. We turned in here. No idea why he's here. Okay, they sat for a few more minutes in silence. The Rebbe gave him a, a nod, <coughs> asked for his coat, and he left. And he started leaving. As he's going to the door, the Balabayas, this man, obviously, he says, got to walk the Rebbe out. Well, I'm not going to just let him go out. So he walks, he walks him all the way back to his house. Finally, at the door of the Rebbe's house, the guy says, I'm, I'm, Rebbe, I'm sorry, but I, I can't hold back anymore. What was that all about? You came to my house. You didn't say a word. I walked you back. I have no idea what's going on here. Can you please tell me and fill me in? I didn't ask you before, but please. What, what's, what's, what's going on? Said the Rebbe, I went to your house to be Mechaim Misfa. Baruch Hashem, I was Mechaim. It's like, really? 
I didn't see you shake a lulav. I didn't see you kiss my mezuzah, maybe. Maybe that's a minhag, not a mitzvah. What mitzvah did you do? You came into my house, you sat, you were silent, and then you left. Says the Rebbe, Rabbuseinu Amru, Chazal tell us, Kishem she mitzvah lomar davar hanishma, kach mitzvah shelo lomar davar she'eno nishma. Just like it's a mitzvah to say something that will be listened to, it's a mitzvah not to say something that won't be listened to. So the Rebbe said, if I sit in my house, that doesn't count. I'm not in this situation. It's like right now, none of us are speaking Lashonara. Do we get the mitzvahs that say I'm not speaking Lashonara now? No, it's probably when you're in the situation of Lashonara and I hold back, that I get the mitzvah. So when I'm sitting in my own home, I- I'm not going to get the mitzvah of lo lomar davar shalom nishma. So you know what? I went to your house and I didn't say a word. And then I left. So I was in the mitzvah of lo lomar davar she'eno nishma. So he said, oh, Karebi, come on. What, what, what didn't you say? So he's like, no, I'm not, it's a darsh nishma, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it. No, no, please, please, no, come on, how do you know? I know, I know. No, how do you know? No, I know. Back and forth and back and forth. Finally, he said, no, I'm not leaving until you tell me. I'm not leaving. So finally, he says, okay, fine. He says, you're forcing me, but don't, don't tell me afterwards that you didn't want. He says, there's an, you know, you're the denial of a bank. There's a woman, there's a widow that can't, that's, that's defaulting on her mortgage. And the bank's going to throw her out of her house in two days. I was going to ask you for Rachmanis, but I didn't think that... Uh, I, I'm only the Menile. I don't own the bank. I, I, exactly what I said. I said, I, I, I said, that's what I said. What do you want from me? I wasn't going to see it. You forced me to come out with it. Okay, but, you know, what can I do? I was Makai, my mitzvah in your house. This doesn't count because you forced me to say it. Lila Tov. Two days later, the loan was forgiven and the woman stayed in her house. Moshe Rabbeinu says, they're not going to listen to me. That's why the story is, is quoted in the Panini HaTorah on that, on that Pasuk. But obviously the moral of the story is somehow the Rebbe knew that he would be able, whatever it is, last three lines, it went into the Gvir's heart and he was able to figure out a way to have the loan forgiven. Okay. Parazine. Next section of the Parsha. We take a little break in Paragvav. We go through the Yichus of Moshe and Aaron. As Chazal say, once they're mentioned, we go through their Yichus. At the end, <coughs> at the end of the section in Parag Zion, Pasik Zion, right before Ravi, the, the Osos are about to start, and the Makis, I mean, all these whole parts is exciting. But right before everything starts, Umoshe ben Shmonim Shana, the Aharon ben Shaloshi Shmonim Shana, Vedamrem al Paro. Moshe was 80, Aaron was 83, Miriam was 86, when the whole story starts. Wonderful! What do we need to know this for? What do we need to know? Maybe we can figure it out from elsewhere. The Torah has an entire Pasuk telling me the ages of Moshe and Aaron before the story starts, at this stage. What do we need to know that for? That they were 80 and 83, respectively. The Eben Ezra asked this question. So we'll do one Rishon and one Achro. Says the Eben Ezra, source number nine, Hizkir Shinoseihem, Velo Matsanu Bechal Hamikra Nevi'im, Shehizkirim HaKasuf Shehiznabu Biziknusam Rak Ewa. 
You never had such old Nevi'im, says the Eben Ezra. Nobody was Zochet to Nevuah at this age. Ki ma'alasam gedola mikola Nevi'im. Because their Milo was greater than all the other prophets. V'lohem levadam. I find this Eben Ezra fascinating because he puts Moshe and Aaron together in all these phrases. It's not just Moshe. V'lohem levadam hayim edaber Hashem ba'amur enon. And Hashem spoke to them. And don't think Shmuel's amongst them. Even though you have a pasuk to tell him about that, kila ela levadam nitna hatorah. Again, plural. To these, the Torah was to these, to him. Aaron here has a major part also. Vina yadam yinchalu atzadikim olam haba. Wonderful, says the Eben Ezra, because no, none of nobody else was a navi at such a, a later stage of life. That just begs the question: Why were they zoche to nevuah? at such a senior stage of life. Why were they Zochet? Enter Oznayim Torah. says the Oznayim Torah is something that we have to remember. As anyone who's here or listening to the Shir at various stages of life, this is what we have to remember. This Oznayim Torah, this Rav Sarotskin. says Rav Sarotskin, <coughs> why did I say the ages? Because what do most of us think about we're going to be doing when we're 80 or 83? Or what does the average person in the world think about and dream about what they want to be doing at age 80 and 83? Where's going to be my condo? Where's going to be my, my hammock that I'm going to relax under and I'm going to live out the golden years in relaxation and comfort without worries? Just let me relax. That's not the attitude of an Eved Hashem. And that's not the attitude of Moshe and Aaron. Think about, says the Aznayim Torah, what Moshe and Aaron accomplished after the age 80. It's pretty amazing. It's Yisbet Shrayim Kriyas Yamsav Kabbalah Torah. Boom! Unbelievable! What they did after 80! That's the message of the ages. A Jew never stops growing. A, new, a Jew never says, okay, at that age, I'm, turn, I'm stopping. I'm retiring. What is retire? Okay, retirement is fine. But retirement doesn't mean we stop giving to Klal Yisrael. Or we stop growing and working on ourselves. Retirement doesn't mean stopping. It means changing how we're growing and how we're involved in Klal Yisrael. Moshe and Aaron. Nagua olam wanuach la'ezikna. Now to read his words. The velt, the olam, is knowing to relax when they get to a certain age. Even those, right, the, those in the special jobs, they get chofesh. <coughs> in some countries, there's even forced retirement at certain ages. Even if you're still good at what you're doing. You've got to figure out something else. That's not what a Jewish leader thinks. She calls manshem askinim mosifim omets belimud. Let's start again from Lokain who chelak chachme Yisrael umanhigav ha'amitiim. This is not how the Jewish leaders uh, understand their tafkid. She calls manshem maskinim mosifim omets belimud ubetikin midoseim vechobedek beir. They could constantly. And continually reassess, how could I better? How could I help? So Dafka, 
Moshe Rabbeinu, you may should say Shivim Shana, the Bigru Shmonim Shana. At Shmonim Shana, that's when he starts. He starts the process of being HaKadosh Baruch Hu's helper to be Goal Yisrael. That has to be our attitude at every stage throughout our lives. How can I now help? Even if I've slowed a step, even if I have to affect differently, even now at certain stages maybe we have to be more private. But constantly growing, constantly trying to shape who we are and who others are around us. That's the message of the ages of Moshe and Aaron, specifically at the beginning of this, of this process. Good. Before we get to the last major thought, two smaller thoughts from the Shemana Tov. Shemana Tov has, you saw it, source number 11, two separate thoughts. First, Perak Zion, Pasuk Yutes. Yuzayin, Yutes, we have, got to start talking about the Makos. Pasuk tells us, Kach, Matcho, Rete Yotchal, Meimim, Mitzrayim. Hashem tells Aaron to take your staff, hold it over the Yam, the Chulu, all the water sources in Mitzrayim, the Yudam, they will be blood. Done. Rashi quotes, what's Aaron doing on the scene? Moshe has been the main man up until now. Why is Aaron here? Says Rashi, Since the Ya'ar protected Moshe when he was put into the river, that's why, by Damit Svardeya, which came from the water, Aaron did it. Moshe shouldn't hit Hakar Zatov, even to inanimate objects. Wonderful. That is Rashi by Damit Svardeya. If we look a couple of Sukkim later, after Dam and after Svardeya, when we get to Kinim, again, Vayomar Shem Moshe, Emar El Aaron, Niteyat Matcha Vahachas Afar Haaretz. Take your staff and hit the afar. Rashi, lo ha'afar kedai. Lil kosal de Moshe, lefi shehegat alak sharek zemitzri. Moshe hid the mitzri in the dirt when he killed him. So, akar satov, you can't hit the dirt. Simple question. Why didn't Rashi just say this all the first time? The first pasik, Rashi, by Dam, Rashi says, yeah, it's the same thing by Tzvardaya. That's why he didn't hit the water. Rashi should say the same thing. And also the same thing by Kinnam. That's why he didn't hit the dirt. No, Rashi, it's two different Rashis. Rashi by Dam, he quotes Dam and Svardaya. What, only because here's the water and there's the dirt? He separated it? It's all about a karzatov. Rashi should just say, the first three makos, Moshe was not involved because he had a karzatov for the water and for the dirt. It's as if Rashi is trying to separate and say, focus on Kinim separately. There's two ideas of the karzatov. Says the Shem and Atov, in the top piece. Delama Hifrid Rashi Pshnepsukim. Why two? Vahanira says the Shemanatov. A deep basic thought about Hakarasatov. Diyesh Bazak Saschilak. It's a little different if you look in the language of Rashi. In the language of the two Rashis. What does the first Rashi say? Lafisha Hagin Kishanishlach Lo Laka Al Yado. Second Rashi. Enam Kedai. Ha'afar lo haya Kedai lokos. A little different in Lashon. What's the message? If you think about it, says Hashem, <coughs> says Hashem Atov, did the dirt really help Moshe? Very temporarily. The water saved Moshe's life. Protected Moshe. The Kinim? The Kinim doesn't an Aviram. They saw and they found out. Who did, 
It was very temporary that he hit the Mitzri. A few few seconds later, maybe. A few seconds. And Moshe had to run away from his shrine because of it. What did the dirt do? The dirt protected Moshe? No, it didn't. What, for a few seconds? For a little bit? That's the message. Kingdom is a different message of Akar Satov. Damets Rade the water, they did something for you fully. Obviously, Akar Satov. Kinim, even if somebody does something for me and doesn't finish the job, they do a little bit. They do, they don't finish the job. That's also deserving of Akar Satov. Somebody gives me a ride somewhere but doesn't drop me off all the way at the door where I need to go. Okay, thank you. Thanks, thanks a lot. Hello, maybe they're in a rush too. No, we, from our point of view, we should always try to finish the job. But when, when we, from somebody, when we get something, oh, we're like, oh, we're focusing on the, on what they didn't do for us. What about the, what they did for us? So Moses should say, what do you mean the dirt? The dirt saved me? The dirt didn't save me at all. Moshe, it saved you for a few seconds. Don't hit the dirt. That's the message. We come up with all the excuses in the world how I don't really have to say thank you to this person. They really didn't do anything for me. I could have done it myself. They just happened to be there. They didn't really have kavana to help me. They were doing it for themselves. They were driving there anyway. There are many different excuses which we could come up with, reasons not to say thank you. But Kenan teaches us otherwise. One idea. And the second idea, in the bottom part, Vayishlach Paro, it's a question that's asked by many. Now that we're all the way at the end of the parsha, it's on the same page, so we'll go a little out of order. <coughs> then we'll get back to the Makos. Says the Torah, Vayom Hashem Moshe Bo Paro, Hashem says to Moshe, go to Paro, it's time to bring Dever. It's going to be the Maka of Dever. And all the animals are going to die. And Paro goes and says, he wants to see what happened. Paro, you see the bold print. Paro sends out his spies and he hears that not one Jewish animal died. Not one. Paro hears about it. He's like, forget, I'm not sending them out. And all the Mepharshim ask, how do you read the Pasuk? Paro hears that not one Jewish animal died. Ah, that's it. I'm not sending any out. Just the opposite. He hears that not one Jewish animal died. That should, that should prove to him that he will send out the Jews. It's like, just the opposite. He hears it and he doesn't send out the Jews. Question one. How do you read the Pasuk? The other question that's asked by the Rishonim already is that what happened after Dever? After Dever, we have Shechin. Shechin. Shechin on Who? On the people and the animals. There were animals left? How were there animals left? They died in Dever. Later on by Barah, they brought the animals inside. How do they have animals left? Where the animals come from? Suggest the Shem and Atov. We know that we sell our chametz on Pesach. I was just learning Mesachat Pesachim a couple of, uh, about current Pesach with one of my kids the other day. He was learning it in school. And I say, we're learning a lot of chametz in our house on Pesach. He's like, we have chametz in our house on Pesach. I said, no, we don't. He says, yes, we do. In the closet, it says chametz on it, closed up. We said, yeah, but it's not ours. It belongs to the non-Jew. He's like, won't we go, you go to a non-Jew? And like, yeah, so we sell our chametz, however that works. But we sell it. Suggest the Shemanatov, maybe those who feared Moshe already, which was many of the population of Mitzrayim at that time, they sold their animals to the Jews. Like, we sell our chametz? They said, I don't want my animal to die. I'm selling it to the Jews. And what happened? They didn't die because they belonged to the Jews, even though they were in the courtyards of the Egyptians. 
Now read the Pasik. Paro looks and sees that not one Jewish animal died. So he hardens his heart. Paro was mixed up. He saw animals in the Mitzri's courtyards that belonged to Jews, which he didn't know, that didn't die. Interesting. One final thought for the for the evening. Oh, I don't know if I've ever quoted this before, so got to start at some point. It says in Perek Shira. Perek Shira is different attributions. Was it written by David Amelech? Was it written by one of the Tanoim? It's quoted by Rishonim. It's a very early source. It's just about two pages. Now there's co- commentaries of Chaim Kedievsky has a Pirish on Perak Shira. Art Scroll has a beautiful Perak Shira book with all the pictures. The whole paragraph, few paragraphs, is how every Bria, <coughs> every Bria sings songs to Hashem. Most of it is Psukim. And the trees say this, and the dog says this, and the elephant says this. The frog says... Baruch Shem Kavod Machusoli Olam Vo'ed. Tzvardeya Omer. This is the parsha to talk about Tzvardeya. What does Tzvardeya have to do with Baruch Shem Kavod Machusoli Olam Vo'ed? Question one. Second question. A question that we dealt with before, but we're going to relate the answer to this issue. The Gemara Psachim, I'm sorry, I forgot to label it. Bottom right of the page, that's Psachim Nun Gimel. You can put that as 11a if you're keeping track. 11a says the Gemara Psachim. Ma ra'u chanani mishol vazarya shemasru atzman al kedushas Hashem lekivshan ha'ish. What motivated? What inspired chanani mishol vazarya to jump into the fiery furnace instead of bowing down to Nebuchadnezzar? They darshin the kalvachomer from the frogs. Kalvachomer. If the frogs are not commanded on the mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem and they gave their lives, as it says, they jumped into the ovens. So we're mitzvah in Kiddush Hashem. So surely we have to give our lives. Wonderful. They dash into Kavachomer. The frogs are mitzvah in Kiddush Hashem. They gave their lives, so surely we have to give our lives. Asks the Velt, asks everybody on this Gemara. What do you mean the frogs gave their lives? The frogs didn't have a choice. Hashem said, go to Mitzrayim. What, the frogs had a choice in the matter? Hashem sent frogs to Mitzrayim to jump everywhere. So what do you mean, what's the Kavachomer? They didn't have a hero? Assuming that a frog has some type of das. So many Mepharshim answer, no, no, no. The frogs had to go to Mitzrayim. But Hashem didn't tell any one frog, oh, you jump in the ovens. So a frog could have chosen, I'm jumping on Paro's nose. Or his toes will still fit into the song, right? He won't, he won't, he didn't jump into the oven. And yet, and yet, they, they all volunteered. I'll jump into the oven. I know this is what a Kodesh Baruch Hu would appreciate. I'll be Moser Nefesh in this case. That's, they did have a choice. And they chose to be Moser Nefesh for Klai Yisrael in a situation where they didn't have to be. Says the Be'er Moshe. Says the Be'er Moshe. We had a Be'er Yossi before. Says the Be'er Moshe. In source number 12. He quotes, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alokeinu Hashem Echad Baruch Shem Kavon Machusol Olam Vo'ed. What does each Pasuk symbolize? Shema Yisrael is the Pasuk that symbolizes when a Jew is in a situation where he must give his life for Hashem. One of the big three Averis 
any of the Averis, if it's a time of religious persecution, that's Shema Yisrael. I was on Rabbi Kiva's lips when he died. Shema Yisrael is giving one's life when they're in a situation where they have to give their life. Barat Shem Kavod, which is always with Shema Yisrael, is giving one's life when one doesn't have to give their life, but they're volunteering it because they know that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu would want. Shema Yisrael with a Zachiv, Barak Shem, where there's a Rishus, where I would know, that I would, HaKadosh Baruch would appreciate this. I know this is what he wants, even though it's not oblig- uh, obligatory. Frog says, Barak Shem Kavod Mafasoli Alam Ed, because that's what they did in Mitzrayim. Svardeya Omer. That's what the frog says. Because the frog is the symbol of being Moser Nefesh for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even in a situation where I'm not specifically obligated to do it. And just one final point. We started with the Perak Shira, Gemara, the Bear Moshe. Rav Avram Shur just says one more punchline after expanding upon this. He ends off based on, uh, again, we're not going to read it for lack of time. There's a paragraph there about the Haftorah, the Shabbos. Haftorah for Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh. He also has a Pazik that relates to this. But then he quotes, for a Jew to be Moser Nefesh, even where he doesn't have to, that Jew's got to be on fire. It's got to be so connected to God. I'm on fire. I want to give to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As we spoke about earlier in the Shir, what is the power in the world that tries to get us not on fire, that tries to cool us off, that tries to pour water on us? Don't be so excited about Avodah Hashem. Take it easy. That's the power of Amalek. So we spoke about Purim time, so I went earlier in this year. Amalek is, historically, right, they, Rashi is the Mashlun Kiseitse, they jumped into the hot boiling water, they cooled it off for everybody else. Amalek is the power that's, don't be so excited about Sorry, Kodesh Baruch Hu. Maybe what you, what you have to do, but don't, not beyond that. So, you can't build a shear off of this, but it is interesting. If you look, and he quotes, the math works out. If you look at the Gematria of Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Achad, he quotes it on the bottom left, 1,118. 1118. The Gematria, Barak Sheikh Kavom Alamba Ed, is 1,358. 1358. A difference of 240 Gematria equaling Amalek. A is what separates us from what we have to do to what we want to do because we know Kaddish Baruch Hu wants us to do it. Going from the Shema to the Barak Shem. That's the Kavana. That's why it's a process. Whenever we say it, Shema, we have to give our lives for Hashem when we're in a situation where we're obligated. Barak Shem, like the frogs, even where we're not obligated, but we know HaKadosh Baruch Hu would want us to do it, we're Moser Nefesh for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Barak Shem Kavod, Malchus Oli Olam Hashem will try to repeat this Haggadah time before Pesach.